Thank you for listening to City Church Joe of Orlando podcast. Come on, give it up for Israel. We're bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. They did that just for Led City Church this morning. Led by Pastor Eugene Smith. For more information, hey, check out our website at orlandocitychurch.com. I, I got to just brag on Faith, on uh, Faith Christian Academy and Faith Fredericks. We are really honored that we can partner with you in our next generation ministry. Uh, next Generations has been a desire, a dream of mine for over 14 years. When I came to City Church from Seattle, Washington, I, I wrote down a list of ministries that I wanted our church to launch, and, and uh, our intern program was one of those. And it has been a dream and a desire that's been long, long withheld, and God has finally brought the right people, the right timing, the passion, all the things came together, and I am really honored to have these five young people. The Bible says that first fruits. First fruits are holy to the Lord. And so, and I, I got to tell I've worked with these five young people that are starting. They are just outstanding, dedicated young people. They love Christ. They love their city. They love people. And we're just blessed as a church to have five people commit the next two years to serving God through their local church and growing in the Word. And, wow, what a great, great thing. The best is yet to come. Amen? I do want to mention tonight I'll be speaking at uh, Greater Providence Worship Center. And they meet at Midway Elementary, and uh, they're going to be having their second anniversary service. I would love to have you come and join me and support, and we're going to go and have a good time with him. Could you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? I'm reading out of Mark's Gospel. I'm going to be using the New King James Version this morning. I normally use the New International Version, but this morning I'm going to be reading out of the New New King James. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning with verse number 35. And the Bible says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. (laughs) Wow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Everyone say, Peace. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to share with you this morning a big idea. One thought I want you to get into your heart as you leave this day. Just one word from Jesus can calm the greatest storms of your life. One word from Jesus can calm the greatest storms in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that we've experienced your presence and worship. We love you. We love what you're doing in our midst. We love a a church that loves to give generously in this community. We love our city. Thank you that you've called us to this community to bring your love. For every person that's here today, God, we've come from different backgrounds and walks of life and stations and places. But, God, we all have this one need, this one need, and it's you. We need you to enter into our reality, into our world today, to touch our hearts, to fill us full of faith and hope. God, I pray that your people will have a spiritual ear to hear. Not my words today, but your words. Father, we pray 
blessing over your people. We thank you that we can partnership with other ministries like Faith Christian University. And I speak blessing over Dr. Frederick and her ministry team. Thank you that we can partner with them. And we thank you that you're bringing increase into their reality and to their ministry. And Jesus, we ask this now in your wonderful and mighty name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. It is so good to see you today. Have you ever experienced a challenge or a problem in your life that just really was, like, completely overwhelming? I mean, you just, you're like, all of a sudden, life's going on, and boom, something happens. One phone call, one email, one letter, one thing happens, and boom, it just seems like everything in your world is turned upside down. You ever had that happen before? I think we all have had that happen at some place. You know, someone passes away, a loved one, a parent, a car accident, I mean, something happens. It was in 2000. And three, and City Church was about four years old. Our church had been in two different movie theaters. We had met in all kinds of different facilities during the week for our midweek service. And on the weekend, we had been using a movie theater in the general and the old Ultima and the Ultima Mall in the old General Cinema Movie Theater, the Twin Theater there, right next to the Sears building. We were there for about three and a half years, and they eventually the mall had different plans, and they were going to build a big, big uh, sixteen screen theater, which they have done, and. And so we knew our time there was short. And we left that movie theater, and uh, we secured another, another movie theater. It was the Dollar Movie Theater across the street there on 436 and I-4. And, and uh, we were in that place. And it, Dollar Theaters, hi, yeah, yeah. I don't go to movies very often, but I went to the Dollar Movie Theater on Colonial the other night. And uh, I was waiting for my wife. She was at a conference. And I thought, ah, I'll just slide in there. And I went to this movie theater. I'm like, ah. I mean, I never go to movies. Why would I go to this place, you know? And and the dollar movie theaters are scary. They're just scary. I mean, now they're cheap, but you don't want them to turn the lights on while you're sitting in there. I can tell you that. And so we uh, we rented that movie theater. We were in there. We could tell things were kind of tenuous as cash only, employees, a lot of issues. And and uh, we got a phone call on Tuesday that uh, they were shutting that movie theater down, and we literally had to come. And fortunately for us, that one of the employees there actually had enough concerned for us that they told us it was going to happen because the management was never going to tell us. And so we raced down, we got our equipment that was in the movie theater, and and uh, uh, we were stuck. We were actually stuck. We had we had secured a building on, on I-4 and 434 in the Longwood Plaza, the Jacobson Plaza there, but we hadn't had our CO, and we weren't allowed to meet in that facility that we were leasing. So we literally were in between. Everyone say in between. We were actually in the meantime. We were in the meantime. What do you do from this step to this step? You know God's leading you, but you got a meantime moment. You got a moment where things are out of control. How do you take the next step? I don't know what to do. And I remember when they gave us that report, I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was panicking, but I was thinking, oh my God, what are we going to do? We got all these people following us, and about where we're going to have church next Sunday. And and uh, we began to pray as a staff, and God had taken care of us. We had seen the hand of God, the provision of God. The fact is, any church that actually starts where we started with my wife and I and two other families from Seattle, Washington. The fact that it's still going today and we're thriving and we're blessed and we're prosperous is a miracle of God. Amen? And you're part of a miracle today. You're part of, I'm just telling you this miracle story because you need to hear it. Uh, in order for me to tell his story, I've got to tell you my story. My story was I had no place to go. I had all these people following. And it was a Thursday afternoon. And the newspaper, uh, not the newspaper, the actually the television, one of the television stations had gotten wind of this. And so they came out to interview me. And as they were interviewing me, I was, you know, sharing, you know, that, well, we're, 
on a journey. We'd come from Seattle, and just something popped out. I, I just said, yeah, it's kind of like I got my hand stuck in the pickle jar, and I can't get it out. And that's kind of how I felt. I just felt like I was stuck. And uh, I had called the Seminole County um, guys that give approval for conditions of occupancy, and I called them, and the, the head guy came down. He came down on a Friday, and he said, listen, he goes, this is what I'm going to do. He says, if you promise me in the next week you do these things, boom, 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 you finish. We had, a, we had a wheelchair ramp that we had to put in, some other stuff. You do this stuff in the next week, I'll give you a temporary conditional occupancy, and you can meet this Sunday. It was like, wow, yes, go God. Thank you, Jesus, because we were going to have church in the parking lot. We were going to have church. Didn't know where we were going to have church, but we were going to have church. You know, storms do happen in our life. Problems, challenges, things happen in your life and my life that are literally out of our control. I mean, we're doing the best we can. We're doing everything we know to do. And we find ourselves in a predicament. Or we find ourselves like that proverbial, our hand is stuck in a pickle jar and we can't seem to get it out. The ministry of Jesus is one that, I mean, when we read this story, we read the context of the story, we see this incredible picture of a, of a man, a man who is fully God, but we also see a beautiful picture of his humanity. I mean, Jesus had been ministering all day, and some really incredible things were happening. I mean, people were being healed. I mean, he was having confrontations with religious people. He was talking in parables. He was expounding on the law. He was teaching. He was healing people. Multitudes of people had started to gather. As a matter of fact, so many people were gathered around Jesus that they were crushing against him. He actually had to get himself and a couple of his guys in a small little boat and set off the Sea of Galilee to be able to preach to them. I mean, he was sitting on the seashore, and he was having to preach because the crowds and the multitudes were so great. This sea, the Sea of Galilee, is, is listed or described in the Bible by three different names. It's either the Sea of Chinnereth, it's because of its shape like a heart, or the Sea of Tiberias, or the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, when you read the scriptures, you'll see this lake. It's a very well-known lake in biblical times because the children of Israel, they lived around this lake. It has a couple of unique features and characteristics to it in that it's the lowest freshwater lake on the planet. It's over 600 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains, and because of the topography of, this, of the area, storms would come in over those mountains and would stir up, the, uh, the winds would stir up, and the waves would really become uncontrollable. Although it wasn't a large lake, it wasn't a big lake, it was a, it was a formidable lake. And it was a lake that provided resources and food and jobs for people in that surrounding community. It was a great fisherman's lake. We have some guys in our church that love to go fishing. And this was a fisherman's lake. As a matter of fact, four of Jesus' disciples were fishermen on this lake. They were very familiar with this lake. The people, the men. I mean, they were very familiar with the surroundings and the things that took place on this lake. Now, I was thinking about a storm and storms that come. And, you know, we're notorious here in Florida for having storms and for hurricanes. But maybe you remember last year, last October in 2012, there was a storm called the Superstorm. It was Super Sandy. And it went up the northeastern shoreboard and it actually crashed right into Manhattan. And, and in January, when my family was there over the Christmas break, I, I went down to lower Manhattan. And they had, still had that whole region closed off because of the devastating damage that it, Super Sandy, the Super Storm, had done to that community. 
Over 100 lives lost, billions of dollars of damages. I mean, there were these, the storm was formidable. Now, now, this storm wasn't that big, but this was still a formidable storm. And it came suddenly. It came quickly. On that night, those disciples, they learned something. They learned something about Jesus. They learned something about themselves. That no matter what is taking place, no matter what is happening in your life, you need just one word. And that word is peace. What you need when challenges and trials and struggles and difficulties come your way, you need one word, and that word is peace. I want you to look at our text this morning in verse 35 and 36. I want you to see something unique about this. The Bible says in verse number 35, And on the same day when the evening had come, He, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now listen, Jesus is fully God, right? We're all in agreement of that. He's fully God. I mean, he does miracles that no one has ever done. He fed multitudes of people with just a few loaves of uh, bread and a couple of fishes. He fed thousands of people. He raised the dead. He opened blinded eyes. He actually walked on this sea. I mean, he he was the first and only true water walker. I mean, he walked on this sea. He is fully God. And we're like, yeah, I can get that. I can wrap my brain around that. But we also see something unique that he is fully man. What a beautiful description that we see in the Scripture. Jesus puts them on the boat. Hey, guys, I want you to go to the other side. He gives them a word. I want you to cross over to the other side. (laughs) You know, the fact is today, you have storms come in your life, and you can be right in the center of God's will. You can be doing exactly what God created, destined, and designed you to do. And guess what? Storms still come. Problems still come. Challenges still come. Opportunities to let your mind freak out and go out of control still come in your life. You see, the fact is today, He never promised that you wouldn't have a problem. He just promised that He would carry you through them. That's good. You can give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Billy Graham once said, Nowhere does the Bible teach that Christians are exempt from the tribulation and natural disasters that come upon this world. But the Scriptures do teach that Christians can face tribulations, crisis, calamity, and personal suffering with a supernatural power that is not available to the person outside of Christ. Our military understands the power of testing. Our military understands the power of creating crisis and storms in their troops' life. As a matter of fact, one military manual says this about discipline. To understand one of the purposes for discipline, one of the purposes for training is to understand one another through the sharing of common goals. To insert effectivity of a group, not only for a specified purpose, but also for emergencies. To install responses automatically without panic in... An emergency. Everything that Jesus did was a teaching moment. Everything that happens in your life, God wants to use to teach us. To teach us. To help us grow. To help us understand who He is. You see, as we look at our text, the Bible says that Jesus was in the boat with them. Not only did He send them out in the boat, Jesus was also in the boat with them. 
Let me tell you today, you got to hear me. The moment you confess Christ, the moment you ask Jesus to come into your life, the moment that by faith you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, you know what happens? No longer is God out here to you. Now God is in here to you. And when God gets in here to you, He begins to work in you and change you because He's got a wonderful plan for your life. But I was like one old preacher used to say, it ain't always easy, but it's always good. I mean, when you do the will of God, when you step into that reality and you understand what Christ has done for you, He isn't just the God who is out there or the God who is over there, but He is the God who is here. He's in your boat. He's in your circumstance. He's in the midst of your reality. Whatever's taking place in your life, He is there. Hebrews chapter 13 says, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will Never fail you. Did you hear that today? I will never fail you. What did he just say? What did God just say? I will never fail you. I'll never fail you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. But it wasn't just the disciples in the boat. There were other people. There were other boats that were surrounding them. So it wasn't just the disciples that were going through the storm. There were other people going through the storm. The fact is, today, if you're going through it, and listen, we're all going through something in our life, whatever you're going through, there are other people around you that are going through stuff. I mean, everyone in this planet lives on a fallen world. See, Jesus was with them in the midst of the storm. In verse number 37, I want you to look at it with me. And the Bible says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep. He was in the stern asleep. Storm comes. Water's filling up. One minute, man, life's going well. The next moment you get a phone call. You get a letter in the mail. In one 24-hour period of time, your whole world can be turned upside down. One doctor visit. One car crash. One loss of a job. One angry neighbor. One tick of the clock. And you find yourself in a great storm of your life. Hanging on for dear life. Trying to figure out what happened. Jesus said in John chapter 16, Jesus said, listen, don't be concerned about this. I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, amen. You can clap on that one too. That's good. Today you are either in a storm, just coming out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. (laughs) Listen, you are either in a storm right now, or you're just coming out of a storm, or you're heading into a storm. This storm was unrelenting. You can see these guys, man, they're trying to bail water out, and as fast as they're bailing water out, guess what? More water's coming in. I mean, the more phone calls you make and the more people you try to talk to, the storm just seems to be getting better. The more doctors you go to, I mean, there are things that happen in our life that are out of our control. And I want you to see about Jesus. Jesus is completely unfazed. Matter of fact, he's so unfaithful that he's laying on a pillow. I need a pillow. Somebody give me a pillow. We'll just, I'll take, this is nap time here at City Church, like over at the preschool. Jesus is honest. He's asleep. Just laying there, not even worried. No fear. You know why? 
You know why Jesus had no fear? Because Jesus is the one who made the storm. Jesus is the one who created. Jesus is the one who in the beginning, the proverb says that the son was with the father when the worlds were spoken to existence. When the waters were laid out and there was this whole thing was just a great big mass and God spoke and the worlds came into existence. Jesus was there. He was the author and the finisher of their faith. He was the creator God. He was sovereign, completely in control and he was not worried one little bit. Now I tell people, listen, God is never nervous, but sometimes He makes me a little bit nervous. <laughs> I mean, He's never worried. He's never unfa- He's never unfazed. I mean, He is always in control. I heard this past week a story. I actually heard the guy tell the story. His name is Phil Vischer. He's the creator of VeggieTales. How many of you have heard of VeggieTales before? Okay. Well, if you haven't heard of VeggieTales, this guy had a, a bright idea. It was a bright idea, and that's actually the name of his organization. It's called Bright Idea or Big Idea. He had a big idea, and that was to create some little characters like cucumbers and tomatoes and all these different guys and have them quoting Bible verses and telling little Christian character stories. And he did this, and all of a sudden he started selling a few. I mean, he told the story. He said, I started selling VHSs out of the back of my truck. And he said, before I knew it, he said they were being sold by Walmart, and we were selling millions and millions and millions of copies. He said, I was riding the crest of the wave. I was riding on top. He said, I thought everything I touched would turn to gold. He said, one day something happened. One day they did a movie called Jonah. And it didn't work. It was a total flop at the box office. He said, I had brought all these people. I had over 250 employees, and I had told them, I will never let you go. He said the next thing he knew, he was having to lay off 50 employees. And he had to lay off another 50 employees. He said the stales were continuing to drop, and they thought, well, they make another move, you know, one more good idea, that, you know, this will turn things around, and one more big idea didn't work. And he had to lay off another 50. He said, finally... After about a period of a year, he said, I got all the way down to the original people that I'd started the company with. There were six people sitting in my living room, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Wow, one big idea. Life out of control. Things aren't working. I mean, not only is he affected, but other people around him are being affected by the storm. He said, you know, the whole time I realized, you know, Phil was trying to be in control of his life. and God wasn't trying to hurt me. God was trying to help me. He said it took a breaking process. He said it, cu- it took me to the place. He said, I experienced a lawsuit. I lost everything. He said it took going to the place of realizing that I was not in control. I couldn't do it. I couldn't fix it. I needed Jesus completely in my life. I could talk about Jesus. I could have Jesus in my words, but I didn't have Jesus in my heart. He said, until I came to that place. So God's in control. He cares about you today. He loves you, but you have a choice to make. You can make a good choice. Phil made a good choice. This guy, Phil, he tells the rest of his story. He's working back. He's coming back, and God's helping him, but a whole different perspective. You can make a good choice, or you can make a bad choice. 1920s, America, the America Pentecostal movement was exploding. People were being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Things were happening And our fellowship was sending missionaries out around the world. There was a man in Sweden who had gotten saved, he and his wife. He was in his young 20s. He'd gotten saved, and he felt God called him to go to Africa. He went to Africa, and and he began to plant churches. He began to serve people. And as he was working in Africa, he said things weren't going well. Things were very, very difficult. He said as he was there, he said 
things weren't happening the way that they had hoped and life wasn't was very difficult. And, and what the other missionary couple that had went with them, they had to leave because they had an illness in their family. So this missionary found himself there with his wife, his, his wife, his daughter, and his son. He said, oh, after a few months, their son contracted some kind of disease and said he had to bury his son in the soils of Africa. His heart was so hurt. It was so, he was so frustrated. He couldn't understand why. He, he knew he was in the will of God. He knew he was doing exactly what God had told him to do. But his boy dies. I, I'm a parent. I've got two boys. I can't even imagine. I've done funerals for children and seen parents. And I, my heart, I just can't even imagine. Several months later, his wife contracts a disease and she dies. He doesn't have the money to bring her back. So there he takes his wife and his son, buries him in the soils of Africa, heart embittered towards God. He said, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm through. He took his daughter to the missionary compound, and he said, I can't take care of her. You take care of her. And he left, and he went back to Sweden, a bitter man, a hurt man. He lived the next 50 years of his life bound by alcohol, giving himself over to every way, every way the natural man does because there was a hurt in his heart. He couldn't understand why the storm came in his life. Fast forward, his daughter married a man by the name of D.V. Hurst. D.V. Hurst was a great preacher from another generation. He was actually the president of the Bible college that I attended. I remember standing in chapel and D.V. brought his wife up and she told this story. Her name was Maggie Hurst. Maggie said, this last year we had something happen in my family. She said, my husband and I were traveling in Europe and we decided to see if we could find my father. She said, through some kind of events, things happened miraculously. I was able to contact my father, and I went to visit him. And there in a small, little, dirty, stank hotel room, filled with cigarette uh, ash butts, empty liquor bottles. There sat my dad, a broken of a man. A man who had once been strong and strapping, a, a Swedish man, and, and a hardworking guy was at the end of his life, full of bitterness and hurt towards God. See, a storm came, and he didn't respond. The storm came, the opportunity to put his faith and confidence in God. Listen, I didn't have to walk through what he walked through, but I know that God was working in his life. Maggie said it was, she began to share, began to talk to her father. Here, her life had been completely the opposite. She had served God. Listen, she had gone on with her life, and her and her husband had, had planted churches and, and been involved in missions overseas, and now we're the president of a Bible college called Northwest Bible College in Seattle, Washington. Her life had a completely opposite experience because she made a different choice. There she said, I share with my dad the love of God. He said, as he looked in my eye, something happened and tears began to roll down his eyes. He said, the last thing that I did with my father before he died was that I got to lead him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he surrendered his life and gave his heart to the Lord. Come on, give God a big hand. God cares about you today. Listen, the Bible says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near. Here's the deal. They felt hopeless. They felt hopeless. They had lost all hope. But the God of hope was in their boat. Because when the God of hope is in your boat, hope floats. There is no problem so big that Jesus cannot fix. There is no storm to Him. Listen, there is no storm that's insurmountable. Regardless of the storm source, the storms of life come, and we're forced to deal with them. 
He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. Isaiah declares it like this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And then the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. God's promised you everything you have need of. God's promised you everything you have need of. But storms do come. And listen, there's always a reason for storms. There's always a purpose. There's always a purpose. There's always a reason behind everything. Now, we might not understand because his ways are above our ways. But God is always doing something in us because he wants to work something through us so that we can become the people that he's called us to be. We can be Christ ambassadors. Uh, I thought about this. I thought about storms that have come into my life. Sometimes storms come because God is bringing correction. I've gotten off course. I'm going the wrong way. I'm involved with the wrong people. I'm doing the wrong things. And all of a sudden, bam, something happens and it gets my attention. I realize, hey, I'm going the wrong direction. This is not right. I shouldn't be doing this. God brings correction into our life. And one of the ways that he does it is through challenges and opportunities and obstacles that will come. There's storms of perfection. Because ultimately God is concerned about our character and who we are. The Bible said he is conforming us to the image of Christ. There's also storms of instruction. And that's what this storm was. This storm was a storm of instruction. The Lord was teaching them one thing, trust. Trust. The old song said, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He was teaching them one thing. They must trust Him. Let me tell you today, when the things of life start to come against you, you have a sovereign, all-powerful God. They learned that no matter what happened in their life, He was teaching them that they could trust Him, that He was with them, that He would never leave, never forsake them. And when Jesus woke up, when the storm rose up, Jesus spoke up. When the storm began to overwhelm them, Jesus simply said one word, peace. I want you to know today, when the bills seem to be piling up, Jesus speaks one word over your life, peace. When your family seems to be falling apart and you got no control, Jesus speaks one word, peace. When the doctors have given you a bad report, Jesus speaks one word, peace. Your child's gotten sick, Jesus speaks peace. When your car doesn't start in the morning, Jesus speaks peace. When your neighbor doesn't like you anymore and says bad things about you, Jesus speaks peace. What they learned that day is they could put their trust and confidence completely in Him. The power of His Word. The power of His Word. Not the word of a celebrity. Not the word of a a political pundit or a newscaster. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. But my Word, my Word, the words of Jesus... The Word of God. Paul says that these things were written for our instructions. These things were written, these stories were told to instruct us, to teach us that we can trust God. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Who are you trusting today? What are you hoping is going to fix your problem? How do you think it's going to happen? How do you think it's going to happen today? Jesus enters into our reality. 
Oh, he might seem like he's asleep. God, where are you? Why is this happening? We've all experienced this. We've all had to walk through this. We've all had challenges and difficulties and things we can't explain. And life's been hard. We've had problems. They seem to be insurmountable. God, where are you? Why is this happening? I mean, in our frailty and our weakness, we've all expressed that. Every person. Because we're human. We need a Savior. But in that moment, Jesus wakes up and He speaks peace. And Friday... I got a text from Kip Williams. Kip texted me that Christina had landed in New Mexico, and I guess she'd been there for about a day, but she had landed, and, and uh, she'd had some complications. She'd had some ch- pains in her back and her arm, and they were rushing her to the hospital, and, and uh, so they were doing some tests, and, and Kip was, you know, said, would you please tell some people to pray? So we began to pray, and, and I texted a few people, and I called a couple of leaders here that I know they're intercessors, and they contacted some people. And I know many of you here today, you know Christine, and you love her. And as a church family, we begin to pray. Uh, but one of the uh, interesting things that happened when Laura and I were driving home from prayer meeting last night, and I called Christina, and she was on her way to the county fair, and, and she was sitting in the back. She had so much joy and cheer. I was like, wow, <laughs> you just get in the hospital. And she said, it is amazing. She said, the doctor said, my heart is completely fine. There's nothing wrong with me. She said, as a matter of fact, she said, she goes, I have something that, that it's no plaque. You know, she said, most people have at least some plaque in her. She said, my arteries have no plaque. I'm completely whole. I'm completely normal. I'm completely fine. Come on, give God a big hand. You know, I thought, I, I, I know. She said, I have complete peace. I talked to Kip this morning. I said, Kip, my wife said, if that happens to her, I better be on a plane going out of the next plane. And Kip said, I had peace. God was in control. Christina had peace that God is in control. You know how that happens? You know how that happens? Because I know that Christina Williams spends time. She's got her face in this book. She's got her face in this book. I, I've heard her. I've been in staff meetings where the Word of God is richly dwelling in her. And, and I've seen her as she teaches others how, how to live the way of the kingdom. And as she's demonstrated to this church family. Why? Because the peace of God is the umpire. It rules our hearts and our minds. They learned something about God. They learned something about Jesus. That His Word was true. Abraham learned this. That the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. I was a little boy. And, you know, sometimes my mind, I was laying there yesterday and, and we had prayed for Christina and I was thinking about, you know, what had happened in her life. And I had this song come to my mind. It's an old song. I don't know. When it came around, I must have been a little boy when I learned it. It says, I have a great, big, wonderful God. A great, big, wonderful God. A God who's always victorious, always watching over us. Great, Big, wonderful God. He never, never, never leaves us. He's always standing by to pick us up when we stumble. Because we're the apple of His eye. Now sing it all. I got a great, big, wonderful God. A great, big, wonderful God. I got... Take it away, Lord. I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me this morning. We have a great, big, wonderful God. Jesus spoke one word. He did challenge them. He said, guys, just trust me. Oh, you little faith. I mean, we're human. And generally what happens to me is that I'm looking at my problem rather than my solution. 
The mountain seems so big. The obstacles seem so great. I just, and I take my eyes off Jesus. And I'm challenging you today. There is something in your life right now. There's something in your life. And God wants to speak peace over you. You've got to simply receive it. You've got to receive this one word, that peace. Paul the Apostle said it was the peace that passes all human understanding. All human understanding. And you know that comes from just surrendering to Him. God, I don't understand this. God, I'm, I can't figure this out. But I give this to you. There's something that happens in our heart. Just It changes us. There's a confidence that comes over us. There's just a different way of looking at perspectives and things of life. Our trust and confidence is completely in God. God, you made me. You, t- you know me. You're going to take care of me. You're going to see. You're going to see me through this thing. You're here today. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head. And there's something in your life you don't have peace. There's turmoil going on in your family. There's frustration going on in your heart. You, you're just balled up. And, and today I want you to know i got one word for you, peace. The Prince of Peace is here to speak into your heart. You're here this morning. You have a need in your life. You have an absence of peace. You have some area of your life right now that you need Jesus to touch. If that's you, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right now in this room. All across this room. Wow, all across this room. I can have my prayer partners come. And, and right now, as the worship team begins to sing prayer partners, if you could come and face the audience, you raise your hand and listen. We take just a couple of moments at the end of every service. Because I know today you need something from God. You don't, I mean, you got a word and, and you heard me, but God wants to do something. God wants to, God wants to do something in your life. And he's asking you to respond. He's asking you to step out in faith. Right now, you raise your hand. I'm going to have you just come. And one of our prayer partners is going to pray with you this morning. If you can do that, just begin to make your way right now. Come on. Don't be embarrassed. And this is for you. This is the moment for you to encounter God. Jesus is here for you right now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information, contact us at orlandocitychurch.com.